0: thank you that you are a good god you are a good father god and we just praise you today lord we just say you are good to us but we thank you for your grace and your mercy we just exalt you this morning we love you in jesus name and everybody said amen let's give it up for jesus one more time amen we are so glad that you're here Thank you, worship team, for just leading us into the presence of the Lord. Look at your neighbor. Give them a high five in the air, of course. And uh, tell them you're glad that they are here today. But uh, once again, we're so glad that you're here. If you're a guest, welcome. We're glad that you're here. Uh, my name is Travis. I'm one of the pastors here uh, at the church. Our senior pastor, Pastor John and Miss Linnell, uh, they're on a much-needed vacation, and uh, he will be back next weekend, back in the pulpit, continuing his series, uh, walking through the book of James. So remember to keep them in your prayers. We're just believing that they are getting rested and refreshed, and and all that. Don't you love Pastor John and Miss Linnell? Amen. 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 But I am glad uh, to be sharing the pulpit uh, this weekend. Uh, but funny story uh, several months ago, probably January, early February, something like that, I was in our backyard uh, with our whole family. I've got Gabe and, and Aslan here, uh, or Gabe and Whitney here this morning. Uh, my five year old's name is Aslan, and the Trinity is about 18 or 19 months old. But we were all outside. It was a nice day. Uh, we have a little swimming pool, and I was cleaning it. I was doing my, my, my chores around the pool, and I'm walking around. and I'm looking at something and Gabriel and Aslan, they're playing soccer kind of further back in the grass and Aslan yells at me and I begin to just kind of look back at her and talk to her and as I'm just kind of not paying attention at all, you know what happens, one of my feet slips off the side of the ledge, off the concrete, I, it falls in. My knee busts the side of the concrete, and I straight fall right into the pool, okay? Um, like I said, it's the end of January. It's early February. The water is cold, so I immediately jump up out of the water. My two older kids are just laughing at me. Uh, Gabe is throwing off his shirt because he thinks, man, I'm, I'm jumping in too. My wife's looking at me like, what are you doing? You know, she didn't see me falling. I guess she just thought I would take a nice swim uh, in 40-degree water, you know. And and so I'm like, I I don't know if this is you, but when I hurt myself sometimes, sometimes I kind of like do the little jog around the yard, you know, just like run it off. Anyone? I I feel like I broke my kneecap, and I'm just kind of in my yard with wet clothes. I'm sure the neighbors are thinking, who is this neighbor that we have? And I'm just hurting, okay? I wouldn't advise that for anybody. uh, But I lost my focus, okay? I I wasn't paying attention. And that's kind of what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about focus. Uh, Look at your neighbor and say, you got to focus. You got to focus. You know, as I was praying about this service this weekend, uh, I was reminded of Hebrews chapter 2, verse 12. And let's look what the Bible says. It says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus The author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Listen, that's saying to fix our eyes on Jesus. Uh, Other translations say focus our eyes and our attention on Jesus. Listen, how many people would agree that we live in some really weird times right now? I mean, let's be honest. Things are just weird. Things are different because of COVID-19. Things in our world seemingly have changed overnight. The world that we lived in in America in the middle of March is not the same world that we're living in right now. We don't even know what tomorrow is going to bring. Uh, There's a lot of uncertainty that's going on right now, maybe more so than ever before, uh, at least in my lifetime, and there's a lot of questions that people are asking. Are you asking questions? I'm kind of just like, what's going on? And and some of these questions that people are asking, how long would COVID-19 last? Uh, How long am I going to have to wear the mask? You know, when is this vaccine coming? Do I even want to get this vaccine when it comes? you know the numbers that they're they're talking about are they even accurate uh, how come there's a coin shortage right now how come there's businesses that won't even take my cash money are you wondering this i was in the store the other day and i'm trying to buy something with like 20 bucks and they said oh i'm sorry we don't have any cash what are you talking about you don't have cash You know, there's other questions. Uh, There's states like California and a few more that are not allowing church gatherings like this. Why is that happening? Um, How come YouTube and Facebook and Google are banning opinions that's different than maybe theirs? What's going on with this stimulus package? What's going on with this executive order that was just signed yesterday? What's going on with China and Russia in the midst of all this chaos? How is this election going to play out this year? How much government control is too much government control? And how come every single news network, it seems like all they want to do is scare us? How many people know there's a lot of questions that are out there right now? There's a lot of questions, but there's good news. Even in a time of uncertainty, Jesus is still on his throne, right? Even though in times of uncertainty, God still wants to use us right now and this year, in 2020, to make a difference and to make an impact where we are. And the good news is, we know what we're supposed to do right now. It's a verse I just read. Fix our eyes on Jesus. Fix our gaze. Fix our attention. Fix our affection on Jesus. Listen, our mission as believers is the same mission that it's always been, even in the times of uncertainty, and that's to follow Jesus, live for God, love people, and make an impact while we're here on this earth. We are here to make an impact. We're here to glorify God. We're here in the amongst of chaos to still give glory to God and to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? But listen, just like me falling into that pool because I lost focus, in times like these, it's easy to lose focus. It's easy to check out. It's easy to be, you know, attentive to something else. But I want to challenge us today with this message that we have to stay fixed, our eyes upon Jesus, particularly right now in this season. More so now than maybe ever in our whole lives, or at least my life, we have an opportunity to let the light of Jesus shine in our life like never before. People right now, make no mistake about it, they are confused and they're looking for answers and they need Jesus. That's who we need. I believe this to be true. We've been saying this for months. I believe that this is the church's finest hour, that God wants to accomplish something in this day and time, and he wants to use us, and he wants us to accomplish mission right now, and we cannot lose focus. Look at your neighbor and say, you can't lose focus. Listen, how many people believe that God can turn the tides of what's going on in America right now? Man, I do. I believe that God can turn things around And I believe God wants to use us. You know, this morning as we look at uh, diving into the Word, I want to look at three characters in the Bible. Uh, These are three men that are part of the same story, that are part of the same family. Their names are Terah, Lot, and Abraham. Uh, And I believe that God called all three of these men in their day and their time to go to the promised land, to live a life opposed to the culture that they were a part of to make an impact, to make a difference, to be image bearers of Almighty God and to live for God in their day and time, the same mandate that all of us have today. As we're going to see in a few minutes as we jump into this, I believe two of these men lost their focus. I believe two of these men got sidetracked and did not fully accomplish what God wanted them to do. But one of these men stayed focused and God did great things through their life. Listen, as we look at parts of their story, we're going to see why a couple of these guys lost their focus, and it's my prayer this morning that we wouldn't fall into the same predicament. Why? Because God's got something for you and I to do right now. We're not here to just take up space. We're not here to just go through the motions. We're here to be used by vessels of God to help bring reconciliation to a fallen world, right? And again, the purpose of this weekend's message is to encourage us to focus on Jesus during this crazy season. If we can keep our our focus and our gaze and our attention on Jesus, I'm telling you, God will use it to turn the tides of what's going on in our country, in our life, and in our families. I believe that, right? Let's keep our eyes on him. Uh, Before we jump into the word, let's pray for a second. Lord, we love you today. We thank you that you're a good God, that you're a faithful God. Lord, we love you. God, help us stay focused on you. Help us stay focused on the mission that you have for each and every one of us individually. God, I pray this morning that your word would hit its mark, that there would be a voice within my voice that's telling us how we're supposed to live our life. God, we love you and we submit our time to you. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. 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 Hey, by the way, y'all look good this morning. I just want to tell you. You look good. Uh, let's start with uh, Terah and how I'm going to break this message up. We're going to talk about Terah. We're going to talk about Lot. And then we're going to talk about Abram, who became Abraham. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Genesis chapter 11. We're going to start in verse 27. And I'll jump around a little bit, but we're going to be reading from the ESV. The Bible says this. Now, these are the generations of Terah. Terah fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Haran fathered Lot. Haran died in the presence of his father Terah in the land of his kindred in Ur of the Chaldeans. Verse 31, Terah took Abram his son and Lot the son of Haran his grandson and Sari his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife. And they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, say Haran, Haran, they settled there. The days of Terah were 205 years and Terah died in Haran. Okay, all three of these guys are mentioned right there in those few verses. Uh, They are all family. Terah is Abram's dad. Terah is Lot's grandfather. Abram is Lot's uncle. So we making the connection right there. Okay, anybody ever go to like a family reunion and you're like trying to figure out who's who? Third cousin, twice removed. You're actually just a friend of the family and you come every year, right? You try to figure things out. Here's how they're related. Okay, so let's talk about Terah just for a second. Here's what we know. We know that he, he lived to be 205 years old. That's pretty old, okay? Uh, we know that he had three sons. We know that one of his sons died. His name was Haran, and he died. Um, we know that Ter- Terah is from Ur of the Chaldeans, and we know he has a plan to go to this place called Canaan, a place that's referred to as the promised land, or referred to the land flowing with milk and honey. Well, we also know if you have a good Bible dictionary, you you find out that Ur of the Chaldeans to this place called Canaan is about a thousand miles. What we also know is the city that he ended up staying in is about right there in the middle. It's between five and six hundred miles on the way to uh, Canaan from Ur. We also know that this place called Haran where they stopped was a very pagan place. We know this place called Ur of the Chaldeans was a very pagan place. And, you know, I could I go into depth about this, but a lot of the pagan worship that even goes on today can trace its roots back to this place called Ur. Okay, so that's what we know. The fact of the matter is this as we dive into this message, Terah's goal was to go to this place called Canaan, but we also know he never made it. He gets halfway, he stops, he never leaves, he never makes it to the promised land, and I believe he never fulfills that dream or that goal or that purpose that God had for him. He was so close to making it, he was so close to receiving the promise, he was so close to going all the way, but to some degree, it's my contention that he lost focus of the bigger picture. And the question I want to address just for a few moments, and I want to unpack for a second, is why? Why did he lose focus, and why didn't Terah get to to the promised land? Why did he not get to Canaan? And I want to look at two possible reasons why. And the reason that I'm talking about this this morning is I want every person in here, I want you to make it. I want you to be close to God. I want your family to be close to God. I want you to make an impact on the culture for God. We're not here just to go through the motions, we're here to live a life for Jesus. We're here, we have air in our lungs, we have blood in our veins, and it's for a greater purpose than just to live and die. It's to bless God with our life, tell people about God, and be a picture of reconciliation that God brings to mankind through His Son, Jesus Christ. That's why you and I are here today. So we're going to look at a few reasons why I believe Tara stopped halfway. The first reason I think he stopped halfway is because of hurt and disappointment. I want you to follow me here. We read through the context earlier that he had three sons. Well, one of his sons, named Haran, he died. And through the context of reading, it it says he died in the presence of Terah, his father. So we don't know how he died. Maybe it was an injury. Maybe it was a disease. But the picture that the Bible shows us is that he was right there, possibly even holding his son as he dies. You know, I don't know about you, but I can't think of Anything really worse than that. A lot of you in here, if you've experienced uh, someone close to you dying, a lot of you have experienced children dying, I think that has to be the hardest, the hurt, the pain. I I can't imagine that. And if that's happened to you, my heart goes out to you. So he's traveling, Terah, to this land called Canaan. He comes to this city called Haran, which is basically almost the same name as his son who has died. And I believe it's possible that he gets halfway and he has so much hurt and pain and disappointment from what has happened, losing his son, that it causes him to stop and stay there. Listen, it's the same thing that can happen to us today, even right now. Let me fill you in on a secret that is not really a secret. Life is full of disappointments and hurt and pain. I wish it weren't so, I wish it wasn't true for Christians, but the fact of the matter is the world that we live in is full of heartache, it's full of ups and downs, it's full of valleys and mountains, and it's full of pain. Why? Because we live in a sin culture. We live in a culture that's ridden with sin, we live in a culture that's full of hurt and death. The good news is one day it will all be over. The good news is one day there will be a new heaven and a new earth and there will be no trials or there will be no tears. The good news is even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the Bible says that he is with us and Jesus can bring peace even as we walk through the storm. But the fact of the matter is throughout our life, whether you live to be 30 or you live to be 120, you and I will face heartache and disappointment in our life. And I believe sometimes when these things happen, it causes us to step back from God, to get mad at God, To not have relationship with God. To get a hard heart towards people to not fulfill the call that God has in our life. You know, when I found out several years ago I was going to have to get on dialysis, I'll be honest, man, it was a disappointment and it was a letdown. And maybe there's some people in here this morning that you are walking through a letdown in your life right now. Things are not happening the way that you had mapped out. Things are not going the way that you want them to go. Listen, we've all been there to some extent. Even Jesus tells us in John 16, he said, I, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Friend, when these heartful, bad, horrible things happen in our life, when valleys happen in our life, when this stuff happens, the enemy wants us to take a step back. He wants our eyes and our gaze to be away from Jesus, and that's the worst thing that we can do. Jesus is the only one that can bring peace. He's the only one that can bring comfort. He's the only one that can bring joy. And sometimes the healing process, it takes time. But I'm telling you, we cannot step back. We cannot disconnect from God. We cannot disconnect from people. And we cannot disconnect from the mission that we have in our life right now. That mission is to fix our eyes on Him. We have to let God help us. We have to let God love us. We have to let God renew us and restore us. He wants to. And I just know there's some people in here today that you're here, you love God, but there's been a hurt in your life. It is not healed. And God wants to heal that area. He wants to touch us today. I think Tara... Could not get past the disappointment and the pain and that fire and that dream and that passion inside of him slowly died away. And it can happen to us if we don't stay close to God. When these things happen, remember we have to go to the Prince of Peace. And that's Jesus. He wants to help. He he loves us. You know, the second reason I think Terrace stopped halfway and lost focus is it could be that he fell back into an old lifestyle. I want you to follow me here for just a second. You know, as I illustrated earlier, Ur of the Chaldeans was a pagan place, and Terah was a pagan. Well, how do I know that? Well, you look at Joshua chapter 2, verse 24, it says this, And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates. Terah, the father of Abram and Nahor, they served other gods. Here's what I think happened. I think despite living in a pagan nation and worshiping pagan gods, I believe that God reaches out to Terah. I believe that somehow Terah has this encounter with God and he feels led by God to go to this place called Canaan. I personally think it's very possible that God wanted that covenant to start with Terah. He calls him to go. And I I think then he begins to worship God, Yahweh God. I think he packs up his stuff and I think he starts loving God. Here's a side point this morning. You can follow God no matter what the climate is around you. You know, a lot of our our, our kids and our teenagers are going back to school, and you may be going into an environment, listen, that is not very godly. The good news is you can be godly in an ungodly environment. Some of us in here, man, maybe your work environment is not godly. The good news is in your office it can be godly. The good news is you can live for God even in the culture that you're in. So Terah starts following the call of God. I think he gets halfway, and I think because what I said earlier, hurt, pain, disappointment, and maybe just a hard time, I think he gets there. I think he stays in Haran just a little bit, and I think he could have went back to worshiping pagan gods. Why? Because it's easier. Why? Because everyone else was doing it. Why? Maybe because he blamed God for what happened to his son. Maybe God didn't meet his expectations. I know a lot of people that have stepped back because God didn't meet their expectations. I didn't get their promotion. Their relationship didn't work out. Listen, God wants to heal our heart. God wants to help us. God wants to give us a different perspective, a different view. God wants to speak to us, right? Listen, there's an enemy out there that wants us, you and I, to be absorbed by the culture. There's an enemy out there that wants us to go back to an old lifestyle. You know that? And a lifestyle where you do not follow or seek after God. Listen to me. The culture that we live in right now wants to steal your faith. The culture that we live in right now wants to steal your hope. It wants to steal the dream that God put inside of you. It wants to steal your walk with God. It wants to steal your purpose. It wants to steal the attributes of God that are in you. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. There's an enemy that wants to steal that and a culture that wants to steal that. I want you to think about our culture when it comes to the things of Hollywood, what they produce. Think about what's going on in our media. Think about the new laws that are passed right now. It's cool in our nation right now to kill babies in the wombs. Perfectly acceptable. It's cool in our culture today to practice homosexuality and that lifestyle. It's cool in our culture today to change your gender. There's no problem with that. There's no problem with cussing. There's no problem with sleeping around. There's no problem with popping pills. There's no problem with being an atheist. There's no problem with worshiping pagan gods. And, And newsflash to all of us, in America, one of the fastest growing religions for younger people is the worship of pagan gods. In America, not just the Old Testament 4,000 years ago, today. It's cool in our culture today to shut down the church. Our culture hates the things of God. Our culture hates that we believe in life. Our culture hates that we believe in Jesus. Our culture hates that we believe in traditional marriage, man and woman, for a lifetime. Not just that, they want us to hate it as well. And if you and I will not hate it, they call us haters. Right? That's a culture you and I live in. That's a culture we're raising our kids in. And I'm here to tell you today, who cares what the culture has to say? Listen, Jesus, who stepped on the earth a few thousand years ago, he came to preach about a counterculture. When Jesus came on the scene in Rome, I'm telling you, things were not great at all. In fact, the Roman Empire, when Jesus shows up, controls probably 15 to 20 percent of the known population. Though I never see Jesus in Scripture ask Peter or John to go set up a meeting between him and the emperor so they can find some common ground. He doesn't do it. Because Jesus came to bring a new culture. He came to bring a new kingdom. The kingdom of God is at hand. That's what he kept saying. The kingdom of God is at hand. And I'm telling you, that's the kingdom that we're called to be a part of today. If you read about the early church, the first and second century Christians, they were killed by the hundreds of thousands. Why were they killed? They were good people. What were they doing that was wrong? They were not part of that Roman culture. They would not go to the arenas and watch each other kill each other. They would not go worship pagan uh, altars. They would not worship pagan gods, and they would not go fight for the Romans in their conquest of the world. Even today, more Christians are being martyred in third world countries than ever before. Why? Because they're bad people? No, because they're not part of this world's culture. And as important it is as us as Christians to vote and run for office and godly people to be in high places. Listen, it's important that as Christians we live a different kingdom. We don't watch that stuff. We don't participate in that stuff. Our mindset changes because we're not of this world. Listen, if we right now in 2020, if we do not hold the line, what are things going to look like? Listen, I'm calling all of us, including myself, it's the season that we say, I'm drawing a line in the sand, I'm not going to move, and I'm going to follow the things of God. My culture is different than what they say around us. Listen, I'm here to say this morning, we are being called to compromise and we can't do it. We have to follow God even when it's not easy. God is looking for some people that are going to say, I don't care what's going on around me. I know who's in me and I'm going to follow who's in me. I'm not staying in Haran. I'm not staying halfway. I'm not going back to my sin. I'm not going back to the bottle of pills or the alcohol or the porn. I'm going to go after God with my whole heart. And I thank God that he gives us grace to do that. Did you know that the word "terra" literally in the Old Testament, means wanderer? We have too many Christians today that we're just wandering around. I'm telling us, let's get planted in the house of God and let's bear fruit. Amen? Amen. How do we do that? We have to know our identity. Our identity comes from Christ. It comes from reading. It comes from praying. Amen? Amen? Listen, don't go back into the culture. We're in the culture. We're not of the culture. And when we live for God, God changes things from the inside out. Let's move on. Let's talk about Lot for a second. And I promise I will not go that long, okay? Genesis chapter, man, there you go. <laughs> Genesis chapter 13, verse 8, uh, setting this up. Abram and Lot, they have a lot of livestock. They've made it into the promised land. The Bible says this, Abram said to Lot, there, let there be no strife between you and I, between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are kinsmen. Is it not the whole land before you? "'Separate yourself from me. "'If you take the left hand, then I will take the right. "'If you take the right, I'll take the left.' "'And Lot lifted up his eyes, "'and he saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered uh, everywhere "'like the garden of the Lord and the land of Egypt in the direction of Zor. "'So Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley, "'and Lot journeyed east. "'Thus they separated from each other. "'Abram settled in the land of Canaan, "'while Lot settled among the cities of the valley, "'and he moved his tent as far as Sodom.'" Now the men of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. Jump down to chapter 14, verse 11. It says, so the enemy took all the possessions of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their provisions and they went their way. They also took Lot, the son of Abram's brother who was dwelling in Sodom and his possessions and went their way. Chapter 19 goes on to tell us that he is now sitting at the city gates and he's one of the leaders of Sodom. So here's what we know about Abram and Lot. First of all, we know they're wealthy. Hello. That's cool. Uh, we also know that the land will not support their great wealth and livestock and their servants. There's arguing, there's bickering. And so Abram, being the father figure to Lot, says, listen, we got to separate. If you go left, I'll go right. You go right, I'll go left. We also know that Lot was like, all right, I'm going to take the good land. Remember? He said, I'm going to take the good land. And, and The only problem with the good land is right by the good land, there's a place called Sodom and Gomorrah. And the Bible says that he pitches his tent towards Sodom, close to this city. What we learn in chapter 14 is he begins to live in Sodom and he's captured. What we learn from chapter 19 is he's one of the leaders in Sodom. So listen, God has a call on the life of Lot just like he's got a call on your life and my life. His call was to love God, to live for God, impact the culture for God. His call was, I believe, to stay under the covering of Abraham, yet that's not what we see. I think there's two primary reasons why Lot loses focus and he ends up in Sodom. He ends up being taken hostage. I believe he ends up getting away from God's plan and and purpose. In fact, he gets so far away from God that he's living in Sodom. He's one of the leaders of Sodom. His wife dies. He gets drunk. He gets into some crazy sexual stuff. And I want to talk about a couple reasons why. The first reason that I think he gets away is because of the allure of sin. Think about just for a second the land that he chooses. Man, it's right beside this city. And it's not wrong that he chose good land by the city. The problem is he's later living in the city. You know what I mean? You can believe that Lot knew about Sodom and Gomorrah. He knew what was going on. He heard the stories. He talked to people. Lot takes that land near Sodom. Why? Because it was good land. It was fertile land. It was green. And I guarantee you, he's seeing dollar signs. Man, I'm going to make money. I'm going to have more wealth than Abram. I'm going to make my name great. You know, I'm going to get some more camels. I'm going to have multiple houses. I'm going to become a leader. I mean, yeah, the place is perverted, yeah, it's pagan worship, yeah, there's some bad stuff, but man, I'm going to be okay. Listen, Lot's name literally means man with a veil over his eyes. I don't know about you, but I've done some dumb things in my life, and it's been just like I had a veil over my eyes. This is Lot. Right from the beginning, I believe that Lot is playing with fire. No wise person is going to take their family to live in Sodom and Gomorrah. So how many people know that for some reason, sin always looks good? Man, it looks good. The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen 14, that Satan masquerades as an angel of light. That means he looks good. It means it doesn't look deadly at first. It looks appealing. I believe Lot was just a little intrigued, so he moved a little closer to the city. He wanted to hear what was going on. He wanted to be a little closer to the action. Not all the way in, but just a little bit in. Then what happens? Man, he's living there. He's a leader there. And it's possible he could have embraced a lot of the the cultural things that were going on. There's some people possibly in this room or, or listening online today that you may not be doing anything bad right now, but you're moving closer to the action. Starting to get some new friends that don't have the same value system as you. You're starting to watch different shows that you hadn't watched in a long time. You're starting to talk to people and text people that you know you shouldn't be talking to or texting. And my advice to you is to get out. Get out. You're being allured by sin. Listen, that's what Satan wants. As much as God has a plan for your life, Satan's got a plan too. And it's complete destruction. He wants you allured by sin. He wants you destroyed with, with no fruit, with no relationship with God, with no impact on the culture that definitely, definitely needs a godly impact. The ones that haven't got trapped have said, I'm going to focus on God and I'm not going to be around it. That city may look good, but we ain't going to live there, right? Uh, You know, that party may look good, but we're not going there. That guy or or girl at the office may may give me some attention, but they're not my spouse. I'm going to get out. Listen, maybe you've been allured by sin, right, in the last few weeks or whatever, Listen, no condemnation. Repent of your sins. God will give you the grace, and God can put you back on a better track. Why? God's ways are better. God's ways bring fulfillment. They bring joy. Run towards the things of God. Lot's life, if you read about the end of his life, it ends in a cave with a whole lot of chaos. His family destroyed. And my contention is, if he would not have went and lived there, those things would not have happened. The second reason that I believe he loses focus and never reaches his full potential is because I think material things, money, and prestige were put ahead of God and Lot's family. Like I said earlier, what would lead a man to live in Sodom, be a leader in Sodom, practice possibly the customs of Sodom, get drunk, and hook up with women that were not his wife? I don't know how mature Lot was with his walk with God. It appears to me that he constantly chose things above God. Who was he around all the time? Minimally, he was around Abram probably every day for 50 plus years. Abraham was not perfect by any means, but he was a man of faith. He was a man that followed God. He was a patriarch of the Jewish and the Christian faith. He was around it all the time, but I don't know how deep his roots in his walk with God went. Listen, see, faith in God and following God, a relationship with God, cannot be inherited. As much as as I love my kids and I live for Jesus and I'm going to teach them the Bible and I'm going to bring them to church and I'm going to take them to kids' church and I'm going to take them to youth group and we're going to talk about the things of God and we're going to worship, they are going to have to have a real connection with God themselves. They are going to have to be born again. Lot was around it all the time. I don't know how deep it went. You know, and I know for years of my life, I was around it all the time, but it wasn't in me. Friends today, maybe, man, you love God, you care about God, but that relationship, those roots have not went down deep. The good news is, man, you can let them go down deep. See, I, I think Lot got sidetracked. I think Lot was too concerned uh, with his herds of animals and his wealth and his status in Sodom that his walk with God and his family suffered. I want you to think about his family for a second. You know, I skipped over a few things. Once he lives in the land of Sodom, I referenced earlier that he gets captured. Well, if you read through that, Abram and some people, they go rescue him. Well, Sodom and Gomorrah is so bad, what does God want to do to it? Destroy it. And remember that great conversation that Abram has with God. God, don't destroy it, man. If there's 50 righteous people, God, if there's 10 righteous people, what does God do? He destroys it. There wasn't even 10 righteous people in the whole city. So the angels of God come in to rescue Lot and the family. Remember when Lot and his wife and, and, and they're running as fire and brimstone are destroying the city. What does the angel say? Don't look back. Don't look back. What does Lot's wife do? She looks back. Pillar of salt destroyed. I doubt the godly influence in her life. I think her heart was tied in the culture of Sodom. Think about the sons-in-law of Lot. The angel's telling them, you got to get out. Go tell your family, you got to get out. He tells his sons-in-law. What do his sons-in-laws do? They laugh at him. What kind of godly influence did he have on his family? Not much. Think about his daughters. When he is when they are running, they end up going into a cave. Mom is dead, and I'm not gonna go into it. The fact of the matter is they think they gotta repopulate the earth. They have a lack of faith. And I think their lack of faith to some degree falls on Lot not being very concerned about his walk with God and the walk that his family has with God. I think he dropped the ball. I think he lost focus. Listen, moms and dads, the two most important things that we can do, number one, is live a godly life. Worship God, love Jesus, connect with him, give him our whole entire heart. The second thing that we can do is influence our kids for Jesus. They're ultimately going to make their own decision, but a lot of those decisions will be made because of our influence. I think Lot's life got out of balance. Friend, today, is your life in balance or out of balance? With work, with pressure with pressure of finances, with hobbies, with TV, with social media, are our priorities in balance or are our priorities out of balance? Listen, with this whole COVID-19 situation, uh, a lot of things have just been kind of, like I said, weird. And maybe right now you are in not a good routine with your spiritual life. No condemnation. The good news is today you can change trajectory of the direction that you're going with your walk with God and with your family. You can change it. If you don't like how your family's kind of situated, man, you, you can change things. Maybe you haven't been the best godly influence. Man, I've been there before. You have the opportunity through God's grace and His transformation power to adjust that. Listen, uh, by the end of our life, you and I will have done anything that we wanted to do. Everything we wanted to do, we will have done. You want to go skydiving? That's dumb, but go. Man, I always wanted to read the Bible. No, you didn't. You never did. Man, I always wanted to do this. We have the opportunity to do what we, what we want to do. Listen, when is the best time to plant an oak tree? 50 years ago, right? The next best time is today. If things are out of balance or out of alignment today, let be the day that you say, God, I want to adjust some things. Forgive me. Put me on a course to follow you with my whole heart. I want to bear fruit in this age that I'm living in, and I want to follow you with my whole heart. If I can encourage you today with anything, it would be have a real relationship with God. Listen, it's easy in our culture with social media to fake it until you make it. Don't fake it until you make it. Live for Jesus. Connect with God. Let God help you. And listen, if there's some things that maybe you've been hung up on. I talked earlier about pain and hurt and disappointment. Listen, there's no shame in going to someone and just saying, I'm struggling with this. There's no shame in getting a Christian counselor. There's no shame in getting prayer. If we're in a situation where there's hurt and there's pain and our walk with God is not good, let today be the day of new beginnings. Let today be the day of the reset. God, I need you. And God is good and he'll help you. Listen, finally, let's wrap this up. Let's talk about Abram as the band is is coming up. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 says this. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and from your kindred and from your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. Jump down to verse 4 and it says, So Abram went, and the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all the possessions that they had together, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. And when they came to the land of Canaan, stop right there. What I'm trying to illustrate is, is Abram made it. Listen, even though his dad stopped halfway, even though things were tough, he made it. He finished. He got to the promised land. Listen, was Abram perfect? No. No. Man, we could do message after message on boneheaded things that Abram did, but the fact of the matter, there's a tenacity about him to focus on God and to do what God called him to do in his season when he was here on the earth. He focused on God. And listen, as I wrap this up, because of what Abram did and his focus, three awesome things happened. Number one, he became a father of many nations. Why? Because he went all the way. Even though he had hurt, he had pain, he had disappointment, he was tempted, I guarantee, to go back into an old lifestyle. He persevered. He kept the faith. He focused. He accomplished his mission. And because he accomplished that mission and he didn't give up, he was not perfect, but he did not give up, what happens? This great nation, more descendants than stars of the sky, the lineage that Jesus Christ came from, all because he didn't give up. Listen, you persevering, you focusing is not even really about your life. It's about Christ in you. That's what the story, every story in the Bible is about. It's about Christ. When we pursue God, things change. People are touched. Souls are rescued. Just like Abram rescued Lot, God wants to use us to rescue other people because we are so connected to God. I believe right now is such a great time to let our light shine. In these four walls and particularly outside these four walls. Your friends, your family members, your co-workers, they need Christ in you because that's the hope. They need us seeking God and connected with God and fulfilling our mission here on the earth. We are here right now for such a time as this. We wish it wasn't the way things were, but this is a hand we've been dealt. Let's play it. The second thing that was awesome that happened because Abraham went all in was the curse was reversed on the land of Canaan. Every time we, we read about the land of Canaan, after Abram gets there, it's called the land flowing with milk and honey, the promised land. It was never called that until Abram got there. Before Canaan was a land, Canaan was, was a person. If you go all the way back to Noah, Noah had three sons, uh, Sham, Ham, and Japheth. After Noah gets off the ark, he has probably not the best idea to go plant a vineyard. He gets drunk. He passes out. I mean, he did have to live, you know, in a crazy place for like 40 days. No excuse. He passes out. He exposes himself. Ham, one of his sons, walks by, makes fun of dad, doesn't cover dad up, goes and gets the other brothers, shames his father. When his father comes to, what does he do? He curses Ham's son Canaan. How did the name Canaan land become Canaan? Because Canaan, the son, went there. Go read through the Bible history. It's right there. Before this land was blessed or promised or a land flown with milk and honey, it was accursed. But when Abram gets there, that curse is reversed. And I'm here to tell you, when we focus in on God and we do our part, when we seek Him with our whole heart, God can do some things in our life that we can't do. He can reverse the curse. He can restore our family. He can restore our life. He can fix things that are broken. We're in desperate need of God fixing some things that are broken. And he wants to use us. Keep moving. Keep going forward. It's interesting also that Abram's name was changed from Abram to what? Abraham. Ham means father. Abram had no sons. Abraham's a father of a great nation. God is a restorer. Do not give up. The third awesome thing that happened by Abraham going all the way is he showed us that if we will focus and not give up, God can use us and our generation to do something awesome. Listen, I want to encourage you this morning. You can do it. You can go all the way. God can use you to do great things. God can use, God, you can have a great walk with God. You can have a godly family. You can make a difference, but you can't stop halfway. This is a season to seize the day. This is a season to fix our eyes on Jesus. This is our season to fix our eyes on the prize. As believers, it's our time to let our light shine. Don't allow disappointment. Don't allow temptation. Don't allow sin to keep us from going and doing what God wants us to do. Things are too important and too vital right now. But God placed us here for such a time as this. Before I pray, there's three quick things I want to point out. The first thing is this. I I ragged on Lot a whole lot earlier. And he did some silly things. But you know what the New Testament says about Lot? 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 7 says Lot was righteous. How's that dude righteous? It's the same way you and I are righteous when we put our hope in Christ. Listen, one day we are going to face God face to face in judgment. And he's going to see one of two things. He's either going to see your righteousness, which the Bible says is like what? Filthy rags. Or he's going to see the righteousness of Christ. Christ imputes his righteousness into us friend, that's good news. If Lot can make it and be called righteous, man, we can put our hope in Christ and be righteous. Here's the second thing I want to point out. You know who else went all the way? Jesus went all the way for our sins, to reconnect us to the Father. That verse I started with, the second part of it, Hebrews 2.12, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross for you and for me. Listen, if you're away from God today, you can come back to God. If you've never put your hope in Christ, if you never repented of your sins, if you've never laid down your life, today can be a day that you do that. The Bible says if we'll repent of our sins, the Bible says if we'll confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, the Bible says that if we will believe in our heart that Christ was raised from the dead, you can be saved. Friend, there's nothing more important than your walk with God right now. That's the most important thing. Here in just a second, our prayer team will be up here. I'll be at the cross. If you need to put your trust in Christ, if you need to be saved or you've walked away and you want prayer to come back, we want to pray with you. Here's the final point today, and I want us all to stand. And actually, I want our prayer team to make their way to the front. And this is probably one of the main reasons I felt led to to preach this message. The first thing that Abram does when he gets to the promised land is he builds an altar. Listen, an altar is a place of sacrifice, it's a place of worship, and it's a place of complete focus on God. And I believe during the times that we're living in, just like right now, I believe it's a time to worship and to fix our eyes on God and to continually make a place of altar worship unto God. So I'm going to pray for us in just a second. Pastor Zach's going to lead us into a minute or two of a song. If you need prayer for anything you can... Come up to the front row. Uh, If you need prayer for salvation, you can come and see me at the cross. After you're dismissed, you can stay seated. We'll have people come to you. But listen, for the next moment or two before you check out, let's worship God. Listen, God is good, right? God is faithful. God cares for you. He cares for me. And he wants to use us right now. Let's throw up our hands. Let me pray for you. Lord, we love you. God, I pray right now that you would help us. God, help us fix our eyes on you. God, help us follow you with our whole hearts. God, if we've gotten away, I pray that we would come back. God, I pray that we would not be absorbed by the culture, but God, you would renew in us, Lord, a spirit to just run after you. God, I pray that you would bless my friends right now. And God, for the next moment or two, we would worship you and we would focus on you. In Jesus' name, bless your people. Amen. Let's worship God. Our prayer team is here and I'll be at the cross. you together worship team is going to remain up front, just like we do every service. We'd love to worship with you as long as you'd like to hang out with us. Our prayer team is down front. If you need prayer for anything at all, uh, make sure you come down. Uh, all of our exits will be open in just a moment, so feel free to be dismissed at any time. And uh, we just pray that you have a blessed day.